Please join me in prayer. Prepare our hearts to receive your word, O Lord. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. We pray in the name of the Christ child. Amen. If you have ever seen my office here at the church, you know that 70 years ago it was truly built to be the pastor's study. That's what they were called back then, a pastor's study, not a pastor's office. You walk in to see a wall with two big windows, but the remaining three walls are covered with bookcases. And because I am who I am, those bookcases are packed to the gills. Books stacked on top of other books and even piled on any random flat surface around the office that I can find, including at least different, eight different commentary series. Commentaries are just some scholar's opinion about what any particular part of the Bible is trying to say. And so one day this week, I pulled out the Luke volume from each of those commentary series and I started scanning what writers had to say about Luke chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. After those days, Zechariah's wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me, by looking favorably on me and taking away the disgrace I have endured among my people. And you know what I discovered? Almost nothing. Of all those floor-to-ceiling books in my library, almost no one pays any attention to what Elizabeth does when Zechariah comes home from the temple. Now, as a reminder, last week we heard that Zechariah, who is a priest, had been selected to go into the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctuary of the temple, where he is greeted by an angel. Gabriel tells Zechariah that he and Elizabeth, long past their childbearing years, will have a son who is to be named John. Zechariah is understandably mystified because who has a baby at Shannondale? (laughs) Gabriel tells Zechariah he'll give him time to think it over, nine months to be exact, and leaves him speechless until the child is born. Meanwhile, Zechariah goes back home and literally cannot whisper a word of what has happened to him. So Elizabeth doesn't know anything about this encounter. She does, however, know what's going on in her own body. The nausea, the weird cravings, and finally her swollen belly. Something new is happening. Now, if you were Elizabeth, you might be inclined to announce your pregnancy to the entire community. Look at us. We're having a baby. We've waited for this our entire lives. Who wouldn't want to share that great news? But honestly, would you? Because who's going to back you up? Not Zechariah. He hasn't whispered word one since he returned from Jerusalem. 
Everybody knows you're way too old to be having a baby, and they probably think instead of a baby pooch, you've been hitting the, the ding-dongs and the Doritos too hard since you have nobody at home to talk to. And maybe that's why in verse 24, Luke says that for five months, Elizabeth remained in seclusion. Although I think this is one place where the King James Version actually gets it right. King James says, she hid herself for five months. Because who wouldn't hide if you thought that revealing this news was going to make you the object of even more scorn and ridicule? Instead of viewing her with disdain because she couldn't bear children, you remember I said last week that in those days it was always assumed to be the woman's fault. Now they're going to look at her as if she has finally, completely lost it. So much so that she's just imagining that she's pregnant. Elizabeth doesn't have both oars in the water, they might say, or as we used to say in Texas, She's just one taco shy of a combination plate. And her speechless husband cannot utter a word in her defense. If I were Elizabeth, I'm pretty sure I would hide myself away too. But then five months, five plus months later, Elizabeth looks out the kitchen window to see a little puff of dust as a solitary figure walks toward their home. Her eyes and her ears, and even, Luke says, even her spirit perks up. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. 80 miles, that's what cartographers say, that's about the distance from Nazareth to the home of Elizabeth and Zechariah in the hill country. 80 miles isn't much, think here to Asheville or Crossville or Harlan, Kentucky or Chatsworth, but then think about doing that on foot and think about doing that alone as a teenager. And then couple that with blisters and morning sickness and directions from strangers who may or may not have your best interest at heart. The New Revised Standard Version says Mary set out and went with haste to Elizabeth's home, but the implication is that she stood up and left. No time to waste, no indication that she says anything to her parents or to Joseph. She just leaves. Why this journey? Until Gabriel's visit, Mary knew nothing about Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth hadn't said a word to anyone, and Zechariah sure hadn't done so himself. But maybe Mary needed to be with someone 
who could assure her that she hadn't completely lost her mind. And maybe Elizabeth needed that too. Look, I have no experience about what it's like to bear a child, but I do know something about human beings coming together to support one another, especially in those moments when everything has fallen apart. Maybe Mary and Elizabeth just need to look at one another and say, am I crazy? And to hear the other answer, if you are, then I am too. And we're in this together. Modern culture tells us we should be self-sufficient, self-supporting, self-reliant. I say no. The gospel says no. The gospel says we need one another. The gospel says that Jesus comes because John paves the way. The gospel says that Mary says yes because Elizabeth has already said yes. The gospel says we can do this together and we are in this together. Just a moment ago, the choir sang that beautiful anthem, Let the Stable Still Astonish. It's such a realistic vision of what that manger was probably like. Dirt floor, dull eyes, dusty oxen, crumbling walls. And it makes me wonder, is Elizabeth there? This is purely speculation on my part, but it's my sermon, so I'm allowed. Luke says that Mary and Elizabeth are cousins, but since lineage is traced through the males of the family, it's not impossible that Elizabeth and Zechariah and their infant son John might also be in Bethlehem for the census. I don't know that. But I do know this, if Zechariah and Elizabeth are anywhere within striking distance, Elizabeth will be there. Mary's mother cannot be with her. There may be no midwife in the inn. Maybe it's so late that no family can be roused to help with the birth. But in my mind and in my heart, Elizabeth is there holding the hand of her cousin and sister and friend. So who are you holding your hand out to? And who is holding their hand out to you? Are you making room for the ones who need you and the ones you need? because new things are about to be born. Amen.